Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Ops Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, and welcome back. It's Ken speaking here. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dragon Milanovic, who is lucky enough to be based in sunny San Francisco. He's a VP of Engineering at Newtonix, which is a global organization with over 7,000 employees. They help companies to build and scale cloud infrastructure. We're going to talk to Dragon about his experience of working with remote developing teams across different time zones, and how he managed to turn time difference into an advantage by using the follow the sun approach. So welcome to the show, Dragon. I'm glad to be here and thanks for inviting me. No, thank you. I know it's early over in San Francisco at the moment. I think it's 7am at the moment. I'd just like to start with, I mean, tell us a bit about you and your career, please. Sure. Well, let's see. I was born in Belgrade, Yugoslavia at the time. My parents immigrated to the US and I've grown up in the US. I went to university in Santa Barbara, California. So I've been in the West Coast for quite a long time. Nice. And I met a wonderful woman while I was at the university who was from the San Francisco Bay Area. So naturally, we went there. <laughs> um, my first job was with Lockheed, uh, where we built and worked on things like the space shuttle tiles, the Hubble telescope, etc. And it was oh, a lot. Very of- cool. Yeah, it was very, it was, we enjoyed it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I've never left Silicon Valley. I have a degree in computer science, and so software development as a background. A good way for me to describe myself is that I've worked with large companies and in startups for the past 20 plus years, and I have done just about everything there is to do on the engineering side, from technical support, professional services, software development. You know, by training, I'm more of a kernel developer, but Early on, I had good advice that said, hey, you really need to be able to talk to customers. You really want to know how everything works if you'd ever want to be a good leader. Yeah, so, so I've been in Silicon Valley throughout my career. Wow. Have you, and uh, do you still do any coding now for fun or anything anymore? I guess you're too busy. Are you? you know, once a year, I take a class in something new <laughs> that I have not seen before. And I do a little bit of coding. But most of my time is really spent more on architecture. I've had the pleasure of doing a lot of uh, cloud work. And so I think it's actually one of the most interesting things. How do you build systems that scale and are highly available and how all that works? So, yeah, yeah, that, which that's is, kind of, I still like to think of myself as very technical. <laughs> okay. Okay. And which is where Nutanix comes in because, you know, you, you work, I, I understand you guys work with data centers. Yeah. It's, uh, Nutanix is a uh, hyperconverged infrastructure. And this is really the core of the new cloud infrastructure and how do you build it and how do you scale it. It's a combination of virtualization and how you put together computers so that, you know, network appliances or you don't need to buy switching, etc. Fantastic. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, really, really exciting because cloud really is a very exciting space to be in. And, I mean, 
I think everything is going towards cloud now. You must see that yourselves. I mean, when I think about a couple of years ago, all these companies have failed to move to the cloud. Now, I think pretty much they're all moving to the cloud if they're not moved already. Is that, or is that still a challenge, moving companies to the cloud? No, it absolutely is because one of the companies I worked for early on was uh, eBay. Okay. And they were doing the first transition where before that people would buy large hardware that, you know, is no longer even really sold or is very rare and instead went to Intel oriented architectures where you had a lot of different PCs networked together. Okay. And, but that's a different style of programming and a different way of building. So there are things like services where they're completely encapsulated and they work well. And it's still not a natural way for many people to program. So there's still a challenge. There's still a long way to go for the industry to move in that direction. Wow. Okay. Interesting. And then in terms of Poland and the Polish tech talent, I mean, how did you start working with Polish tech talent in the first place? I was very lucky. I went to work for a startup that was building iris recognition software and hardware. And uh, one of the founders had had some was actually from the UK and had some experience with Poland. And he started contact there and set up a couple of small companies. So I came in and was absolutely delighted. I've done a lot of work with Eastern Europe, India. I've had a large group in uh, China before. Mm-hmm. But I was really very impressed with a couple of things. Number one is the quality of the engineering was absolutely the best. And the management that we were using in order to help us recruit and bring in were, you know, like anything you'd find here in Silicon Valley. And for me, that's a high praise because Silicon Valley is a place where people from all over the world come to visit and to stay and uh, to build companies. And I've always felt like it had some of the best talent. But when I, you know, the folks that I've met in uh, Wroclaw specifically were some of the best that I've run into. I would have no problem putting them, you know, on even keel with any of the talent we get here in um, within the Bay Area. Wow, they're you know just top-notch engineers. I was yeah. very very pleased. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic to hear that. And you know, when you, and how did you go about you know setting up the team there, running the team? Because did you work with Polish teams in different companies, or was it just one company in Pacific? We had three different companies that we worked with and set up three different teams. And they were all slightly different. But uh, the basic model was that we were looking for is we wanted uh, direct control on architecture and uh, we were using it as engineering talent. And we built up a local leadership that would help us with all that. So it was really, there's a couple of different models that you can use when you're setting up with a, uh, you know, with another site or when you have a global uh, distributed team. One model is that you're giving them piece of work, they execute that and it comes back to you. The other model is that you're doing development following the sun. So we had team, we did the latter, we did the follow the sun. We had a team in Silicon Valley and we had a team in Poland. We would work on things and we would hand off and then they would work on things and it would come back. So we had a series of projects, but the value that that came up with was that if we had a problem, we could solve it extremely quickly. We could either, if it was, let's say a bug, we would solve it. They could test it, give us the results. Or if we found a bug, we could give it to them overnight. They would fix it and we'd get the results in the morning. So it worked really well. And especially if you consider cloud operations, 
that kind of a model has an awful lot of value. Yeah, that's a very interesting one because I, I would have thought that the time difference would have been a challenge in terms of communication. So was that an issue at all? Well, it's always a challenge when you're in a different time zone, but you can also turn it into an advantage. So clearly, in order to work with Poland, what we did was we had a lot of early morning meetings where we did, where we connected and uh, were able to get on the same page, if you will. Okay. But once we got that, it then becomes a total advantage because what will happen is, like I said, we would find an issue, we'd let them know, but in time we got up in the morning, we'd have a whole, hey, here's what we figured out, here's how it works, here's what we need to do, and you know, often and would even get it done. So it really, from my point of view, their communication is a little bit of a challenge because of the time difference. The one thing that I will say that I've never had any problems with was the communication from the point of view of English. The other thing that I've found from everyone that we've hired in Poland is that the English was outstanding. We didn't really have any issues as far as that's concerned. It was really more of a time difference is the only thing. Well, you got a benefit out of that, which is incredible. Absolutely. So, you know, in my ideal world, what would happen is we would find another Poland that would be on the other side of the world. So we could do a completely every eight hour switch. But, uh, <laughs> it has not been possible yet. Yeah, 24 7, literally. Yeah. Wow. That's really, really interesting. In terms then of the technology, was it like project specific new projects you worked on? Or you kind of, did you work on taking over existing projects and day to day maintenance? Or was it really new cutting edge technology we're building with projects? It was really new cutting edge technology. I mean, you know, well, clearly there's always, you know, history associated with a project and there's stuff that goes there. But really this was about building new products in new ways and understanding how things work and, and developing new engineering concepts were being used. So this was really real research and development, not just development side and not just maintenance. Wow. And how about, uh, did you ever do any... Um face-to-face get-togethers or was it, or was it always over a phone conference? So we treated, our, we treated our team in Poland like they were a part of our organization and they were for you know, all intents and purposes. So we had regular transfers where they would come to the U.S. and we would go to Poland. Then typically when we had large projects and they were getting ready to be released, we would have the team come to Silicon Valley because we had a lot more equipment that we could yeah. utilize for the release. So, so for that last, you know, two, four week release cycle where we're actually going to market the product and it's going out the door, we, you know, follow the sun model was excellent and it could keep you going and it's kind of a marathon. Yeah. But when you're coming to that last final sprint, we kind of got together, we got the stuff out the door and we, you know, put together outstanding products. Yeah, that's, um, that's the stuff amazing. that we did was award-winning. Wow, that's amazing! Yeah, fantastic. And I'm sure the team were very happy to come to Silicon Valley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, they were happy to come and visit. We were glad to have them. And uh, like I said, the, the quality of engineering that we got was outstanding. It was. Uh, it was a pleasure to work with them. Brilliant. Right. And in terms of, was there? Did you come across like any terms differences in terms of cultural differences between the US and between Poland? There's one cultural difference that I saw that I really like, okay. and that is Silicon Valley engineering 
has a tendency to be get it done, whatever it takes, you know. And what I mean by that is sometimes that gets into shortcuts. And I think that one of the things that I really appreciated with our, uh, we were doing embedded software. One of the things that I really appreciated about the embedded software side of the world is it really is not a good place to take shortcuts. Shortcuts cause product failures later on. And I felt like uh, what we got were some outstanding engineers. And even when we were tempted about taking some shortcut, it was like, there was a question mark, are you sure you really want to do this? And I felt like they brought a balance to a team that I really enjoyed working with. And that, you know, and it matches my understanding and thinking that short-term gain, there's nothing wrong. You should always look at it, but you also need to understand that once you've built a hardware product, it's gone and it's never coming back. And the problems that you have are going to be with you forever. Yeah, brilliant. And while I also just want, in terms of our audience, uh, and you've got to think about, you know, people outside of Poland that are looking at, you know, taking on Polish and tech talent. Would you have any advice or tips, you know, in terms of, you know, how to build a team or go about it, or maybe lessons that you might have learned in, along your journey? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the first one is find a good partner that you can work with in Poland. You know, the, like everything else, there are different laws than you're probably used to. There's different ways of doing things. There are cultural differences. And what you want is a partner that will help you, help you bridge that and help you with the recruiting. I think trying to do cold outside of country is not a very smart idea. It's, it, it takes a while to ramp up. So my recommendation is find a good partner and then be clear about what you're trying to accomplish and what you're looking for. Specifically, I can only really talk about Rotslav because that's where my experience is. Yep. The talent is outstanding, but there's competition there as well. So what you really want to do is get some good help and hire well and hire for the long term. I think that the Polish way of looking at the world seems to be a bit more on the long term as well. And I think that building pro- it really lends itself to building good products. Yeah, amazing. Thank you, Jack. I just want one last question for you because I'm conscious of, of your time. In terms of it was, did you find that it was a good value for money investment? It was, it was an outstanding value. You know, clearly, like I said, uh, looking for talent in Silicon Valley is very, very difficult. It can be done. They're there, but it is super, super expensive. What I found is equivalent in Bratislav and significantly less expensive. So I think that the value, the quality is as good as anything you can find anywhere else. What you have to deal with is the time change and depending on, because of the different time differences, depending on what you're looking for, even that can work to your advantage. So it's a great way to go about it. Amazing, Dragon. Listen, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. In terms of if we want to reach, if anybody wants to reach out to you or get in touch with you, what's the best way to connect with you? Well, email is a great way. Milanovic at gmail.com. And obviously, if uh, <laughs> hopefully, maybe you'll be able to facilitate as well if anybody wants to talk to me. Great, of course I will. Yeah, honestly, thank you for your time. I really do appreciate it today. Thanks, Dragon. Yeah.